Hey friends, thanks for tuning in to the Church Planner Podcast. Before we started today, wanted to tell you about a really special opportunity. Our friends at the Micro Church Conference put on by Brave Future, um, happening April 18th through the 20th in Kansas City. This is for all of you who are wondering what is a new kind of paradigm for missional church planting and church multiplication through smaller expressions of church, what they call rediscovering the smaller way. It's happening April 18th through the 20th. Kansas City is being hosted by Kansas City Underground. It's going to be a great weekend. And they've given us four free registrations to give away. Normally the price is $90, but we will get you into the conference for free. We have four of those. What you can do to enter is go on our Instagram at Church Planter Podcast. And there you'll find um, a, a DM button. Click that DM button. Send us a DM with your email on it and your name and where you serve. So email, name, where you serve, and you'll be entered to win one of four micro church conference registrations. You just get yourself to Kansas City and uh, you can be there and learn a ton from our friends at Brave Futures. Hope you enjoy the show today. The illustrious Jabba bids you welcome. <laughs> I'm going to regret this. I'm Pete Mitchell. He's Peyton Jones. And this is the Church Planner Podcast, brought to you by Church Planner Magazine. Hey, Church Planner. <laughs> this is Pete Mitchell. And you're listening <laughs> to Church Planner Podcast. You're listening. Jones. You're listening to Church Planner Loveline. <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, uh, guys, uh, I got this problem. You know, wife and I, we, we've been uh, planting a church, and I'm working bivocationally, and uh, we're not getting a lot of time together. And, you know, the wife, she's starting to resent it, you know. I, I like how you kind of started out with a different accent. Brooklyn and went to a little bit of an Irish bro. <laughs> it was like almost like, well, first I'm in New York. Nah, I'm in Ireland. That's where I am. Let's just go over there. Yeah, you know, it's not too far. It's a five-hour plane ride. Everybody knows New York is filled with the Irish. Come on. Oh, don't be getting started on my people. Mm. Oh, oh, they I'm sorry. Your people. I'm sorry. Um. Who's sponsoring today's podcast? Who, I don't know. Wait, well, wait, wait. Who regrets that they're sponsoring today's podcast? <laughs> today's advertiser with deep regret issues is... We we can't do that to them, can we? <laughs> well, you really shouldn't. <laughs> you. I, I'm, gonna, uh, I'm just going to lay it, lay the blame down at your feet. Really, right. Peyton, you shouldn't be doing that. No, we, we love our sponsor. Our sponsor is PortableChurch.com. Now, whether they love us or not is another question, but I think they do because I think they get us. When they start to listen to the podcast, they're like, hey, you guys, forget the one we sent over to you. You just do your own. So that's what we do now. <laughs> and here's the deal. If you are going to plant a church, and uh, you know I am, uh, make sure you head over to PortableChurch.com. Check out all the kit that they have, you know, they've got, they have, it's like the bento box for church planters, right? It's like playing Tetris with your setup and teardown. They've got everything, man. Your sound system, they got it in cases. It goes in cases on wheels, makes life easier. And then when you unpack it, it's like a transformer. And then you get your equipment out, you set it up, portablechurch.com. Go ahead and check it out. They'll help you with your church plant. Portable church, more than meets the eye. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it is like a transformer, though. It's amazing. The stuff opens up like it It goes burp, 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 burp. Mamma mia, that's a spicy meatball. So, the uh, toys that made us on Netflix. That's wh what I have to say. You have to watch that. What is today's topic? So for those oh, who... Oh, gosh, uh, I got so many topics. 
this I'm like brimming with topics. I feel like because I'm going on vacation, we should just do a bunch of podcasts today. Sure. So, as long as we can do them all in the one hour I have set aside for it. Absolutely. We'll just we'll cut smack talk down. We'll go straight in. It'll finally be like everyone who doesn't listen to our podcast will be like their dream come true. And everyone who loves our podcast will hate it. Yeah, but you know what my problem is? I don't really care what other people want. This is all about Petey. It pretty much is. I mean, you know, this is this is our friendship. This is this is Peyton and Pete's friendship hour. Yeah, see, people, half hour. People think that we get to hang out and like do all kinds of stuff together. No, like Peyton is now what fifteen twenty minutes away from me for the last few months, and you've been like, oh, oh. look, I'm gonna we can go to the range, we can hang out. No sooner did I did I come here than I was back in Carlsbad doing train the trainer. My I come back for part of a week. My friend dies. I gotta fly out again. I've been gone a month, dude, because I went back to Carlsbad last week to train again. Yeah. And uh this is this is our friendship. Our friendship is a friendship via Skype. Pretty much. That's yeah, it. we need to go hang out, brother. Well, I don't really want to hang out with you. I kind of prefer it on Skype. You like you like our arrangement? Yeah, so our, our topic today, here I'm gonna I'm gonna do something. I'm gonna let you pick, Pete. Oh, okay. So we either have today sabbatical and what that looks like. And and when I say sabbatical, I mean weekly, yearly, and then when you get to seven-year itch. Because that's what a sabbatical is, really. Then the second topic is how to deal with success, which came up on 50 uh inner circle today where Did one it. of our church planters like hey i've i've never made money before and i got this new problem now but i think it's got a wider application if you're poor and you like it and you don't want to ever join bible inner circle hey no problem i think it even applies when your church grows big or you know we can say success that's not always successful but what do you do when things are going well almost mm. too well yeah so those two topics I thought you said you had a third one. Did you already forget it? Um, yes. But I did have a third. Church Planner Magazine. <laughs> I don't know why I find that to be the world's greatest soundbite. You've got to join the Bible Inner Circle. Learn more at BibleInnerCircle.com. Go! No! <laughs> <laughs> I've never heard that one. <laughs> That is the church planner formerly known as White Tyrone. Yeah. He won't I, let us call us that, so that's well, what we have Here's to the funniest thing to me about that whole situation. Tyrone introduces himself to us as, hey, I'm the White Tyrone. You'll never meet another said, White Tyrone. He goes, yes, hello, I'm Tyrone. Yes, I'm the only White Tyrone you'll ever meet. And And so then he gets upset when we start referring to him as White Tyrone, when that was how he brought it up. Like, it wasn't well, us. He he does not travel in white circles at all. So, I mean, that's that's the funny thing about it is he's always mixing. Like, when he was planting a church, it was, like, all ethnically diverse. And, of course, he's in Florida. So was. That guy. Was in Florida. That guy is so gifted, man, with people. Yeah. Yeah, he's actually learned. <laughs> he now ends his conversations with me. Hey, look. I'm not going to tell you I love you. Because <laughs> for those of you who don't know, don't tell Pete you love him. Pete doesn't like that. Don't come up and start I hugging feel on Ben Pete. Morrison coming on. Have I told you lately that I love you? That, that, that wasn't a very good Ben Morrison. No, like it Morrison. wasn't. But I really liked the voice. I, I liked what you were going for. It was It was more kind of a Barry White kind of thing, you know? Well, it's right kind of like home. when I do my swing low, baby. <laughs> Speaking of that, I tell you who's got the ultimate Barry White is A. David. Well, pfft. he was born a Barry White as an Dude, A. David. I, I know we always talk about how we put him on like three speed. Oh, he talks three, four. A. David is li- I almost called him Barry White. Barry White. You know, A. David is literally the only guy in Voxer who I can put on four speed and listen to him perfectly. Everyone oh, yeah. else, I usually have to go down to three speed, but. I can listen I can't, to perfectly. I can't understand most guys on three speed because I don't have the gift of interpretation. But uh, A. David, 
if I put him on two, it's like uh, those meditation tapes, you know, like those relaxation, <laughs> like I'm going to quit smoking nice. or something. If uh, I don't smoke, by the way, uh, stay in school, kids, and don't do drugs. Um, but uh, yeah, man, I uh, I was listening. To, I listened to a message he did this morning twice. And it was just like, man, I just love that guy's voice. You just want to curl up. Keep docking me. Did. I'm just going to have some warm milk and sit by the fire. It was like being baked in a warm loaf of bread. <laughs> I was the butter. I, I made it weird. I honestly can't think of anything fun that's happened this week to me. All right. Well, have we talked about Solo? Because I've seen it. Yeah. What would you think? I haven't heard I your thoughts it. on it. Loved it. I see it was good, wasn't it? I I felt like a traitor though. Like I was boycotting because I wanted to hurt Disney. I was like, "You killed my Luke!" But you know, I, I saw Solo, and uh, after I I was satisfied that the box office ratings had been crippled, I went and saw it. And I was like, "Okay, you know, we'll we'll check this out." It was my birthday, so I get a special wish granted to me once a year on a special day. So I was like, you know what? If I want to go see I'm a Star saying, Wars movie. I'm just saying, that ain't the wish I'm going for. Anyway, what? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Oh, it brings back so many memories of these conferences for the magazine. And you're like, I got to go. I got to go home. <laughs> right. It's my birthday. I got to go. See you later. Boom. <laughs> Well, you're gone. I was like, I guess I'll pack up then. <laughs> <laughs> and it was like, seriously, it was like some internal body clock went off. You must have known, like, when Jamie was home. <laughs> Jamie was off work. Gotta go. And it was like you were gone. It was like you said one sentence to me and out the door. Oh, my gosh. I love your wife. Hey, it is um, so, so getting back into solo, um, what was uh, what was the highlights for me? So okay, so you prepped me for the whole solo thing about his name, and I didn't mind it so much. I, I didn't, I didn't like, mind it at all. It just here's the part that doesn't make any sense. Remember, he's like, "Oh, my dad used to work at a shipyard building ships like this." Well, then why don't you have a family name? Like that doesn't make any sense. Like you need to drop out that line from the movie. For the what's your family name? I don't have one. I don't, I'm I'm by myself. It doesn't fit. I think. I think. Yeah, that's a good point. I wonder. I wonder though if he was hiding his identity, like you know what I mean? No, because then he, he would have he he would have used it at some other point in his life. At some point, he's not going to be hiding from who he is. Mm, perhaps. Yeah. It perhaps. just it was a line that. You know, it was written after the fact, and they should have taken out the other one, and it would have been fine. Yeah, so Chewbacca was cool in it. Um, Chewbacca was the I best he, in that movie. I, I loved how he meets Chewbacca. Yeah. And uh, when we were kids, you know, because we had the comics and stuff, we would learn little things. Ah, um, uh, the 70s. Um, you would, you know, in the 80s. You would learn things. Like, I knew as a kid... Uh, before Empire Strikes Back, or maybe it's right after, I knew that, because um, they tell you in the comics way back then, Lucas didn't tell you, but the comics told you that Obi-Wan and Darth Vader got in a fight. And um, the what the story was back then was that um, Darth Vader partially fell in lava during their fight and got, you know, seriously damaged in a lava pit. So they kind of did that where they haven't burned up. Um but uh, they did, you know, they also have it so that he chops off his legs. With it's light over. I have the high ground. Wait a yeah. second. How come that didn't work that way with Darth Maul? He had the high ground. What's well, up? Well, never mind. They're hopping around through the air the whole time. And one has the high ground over the other. I mean, you know, they're standing on things. But anyways, um, but yeah, I mean, I, I really like this film. I thought it was fantastic. Uh, the bad guy. Okay. Spoiler alert. We are going to spoil it for you. I can't hold myself back. And we all know Pete can't hold back spoilers from movies. So I'm going to talk about this. So if you don't, if you haven't seen Solo and you don't want a really, really cool reveal to be revealed here on the podcast, you need to scrub ahead like, I don't know, Pete, five minutes. 
I don't think it's going to take that long to say what the spoiler is. Well, I, I but we got to unpack it because I am super excited. All right. So, so just tell them. Okay. So, guys, here's a spoiler alert. Spoiler, spoiler, spoiler. Um, Darth Maul. What? Wasn't that cool? Very cool. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And by the way, this smack talk, you, you, you know, if now you're like, oh, this podcast ruined Star Wars for me. Um, welcome to the Church Planner Podcast, where uh, we talk smack talk and then we get into the real nitty gritty. <laughs> but we really are here to ruin your Star Wars future and then get into church planning. Jonathan Ferguson put something on Facebook like a year or two ago where he was like something about like Darth Vader being Luke's father. And I commented on Facebook, come on, man, spoiler alert. You got to put spoiler alert. <laughs> Bad. For a movie that's 30 years old. I have a knack for working with people that have never seen Star Wars. Are they called millennials? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Remember Hector Mora? He was my assistant for a while. And then we had, and then I worked for Mac Lake. Um, Did Mac so Lake had never seen it? He had never seen it. Wow. Yeah. My opinion of Mac just went. I told him. I told him when in my first interview with him, I asked him, I said, I have one really important question for you. And I thought he was joking, but I said, have you seen Star Wars? And he goes, no. And I, I get up from the interview and go, I can't work for you and start to walk out. And, uh, and, and I turned around and said, you're, you're teasing me, right? And he goes, no, no, I've never seen it. So anyways. Yeah. I don't anyways. understand people who don't adore sci-fi the way I do. I don't get them. No, nor me. You know, I've been watching Lost in Space. I, and, uh, I tried to get into that. It's not good. No. Other than the robot, the robot's super cool. But it doesn't fit with the old Lost in Space, so that's the problem with the robot for me. Uh, the old Lost in Space. I can't, you know, there was a series of shows that came on after, there was the Munsters. And now, the only one who's going to, like, probably text me after this is Brandon Brooks and be like, dude, because he grew up in a, you know, well, he didn't grow up in L.A., but he grew up around that time, so he may not actually, yeah, scratch that, he won't, he won't know this, but... Here in L.A., you had um, KTLA Channel 5, and you had a guy named Tom Hatton, and he would host this afternoon hour, and he would show the Munsters. He would show um, Beverly Hillbillies, F Troop. You remember that? Nope. About the uh, outpost in the West, the Calvary Soldiers. And then um, what we did? Oh, Lost in Space. And, dude, like that was like the Sunday afternoon lineup. So, uh, you know, if you went to church or whatever, you come home, that was there. But Lost in Space was creepy. That was a creepy, creepy show back then. Um, they would get into these weird things. There was always some creepy thing that happened that, uh, it wasn't, it wasn't just a good show. It was, it was genuinely scary as a kid watching that thing. I don't remember it being genuinely scary. I do. And, and, uh, Dr. Smith was a coward. He would always sell out the Robinsons. Oh, always. And, yeah, he would always he would always sell them out to save his skin. They've changed the character in the new one. You, you want to know what TV show that they completely changed, but they did it so well, I like it better than the original. Hmm. Battlestar Galactica. Yeah, I got to watch that. You've never seen, never seen it? Seen it. No, and I met Lauren Green as a kid. I know we've been over you, this crap before. It, well, here's here's the tough part for me. When I first started watching Battlestar Galactica, Starbuck is a chick, and that just threw me off. And the the main Cylons look like humans. So wow. it it throws you off at first. But the, the writing was so good that it didn't matter after a while. That's rad. Yeah, that's rad. Yeah, you know, I I want to see it. Um, it. It looks good. I hear the writing is amazing, and that was when I lived in Wales. The first guy I church planted with, he was like, "You got to watch it. It's the best writing on TV." Boom, yeah, boom, boom. It is. I own it. Yeah. I own the series. Do you really? I do. I bought it on Amazon. Yeah. Give you access yeah. to my Amazon account. You could watch it. Okay. Well, I'll pirate your stuff. No, I don't pirate. So here's the deal, man. Like. So funny enough, the day I, I bumped into uh, Lauren Green, it was so funny because it was like this clash of cultures. My mom was like, Bonanza. And me and my brother like, Battlestar Galactica. Because remember, he was like the dude. Lauren yeah. Green was like the dude on the original show. 
And uh, then you had Apollo and Starbuck. And uh, do you ever know. watch The Prophet? The what? The Prophet. Oh yeah, yeah. It has nothing to do with Benny Hinn or anything like that. I went to Ferrell's the other day and thought of him. Did you? So yeah. they had a new one this week, and it's uh, about a um, a business in Seal Beach called Tank Farm. And um, one of the one of the brothers that ran the business, who was on the show, that you know Marcus was buying into their business. His son was in Luke's class last year, and so they're at the same school this year, but they're in different classes, different kindergarten classes. And so um, I'm walking back after dropping Luke off, and I'm like, "There he is! There's the guy with his whole family." So as we're walking by, I go, you were on TV. <laughs> and everyone in the family just starts laughing. And he like slaps me on the arm as they're walking to school. I'm like, yeah, I met a guy on TV. <laughs> That's rad. I met Bruce Jenner as a kid. Was he Bruce? He was Bruce, dude. He was, he was a manly. It was like early. It was just a transition between the 70s and 80s. He had just won the Olympic gold medal. And uh, he... I remember, so this is no joke. I was in Buena Park. I was at the uh, petting zoo that was over by Independence Hall. And uh, I was feeding ducks <laughs> and goats because I was like five. And uh, he goes, here, do you want my corns? And he had to be the little bag of corn. And my mom like goes, oh, she's like freaking out. She's like, she comes over to me and goes, that was Bruce Jenner who just handed you corn. And I'm like, I don't know who that is. That's and awesome. he was, she goes, he won the Olympic gold medal. He's like a track star, right? Like he I've never the, seen the Kardashians. He won the decathlon. Was it? Okay. Yeah. So he, there was an episode where he's talking to like someone else who won a gold medal. And he's like, yeah, but the decathlon, that's really the one you want. <laughs> okay. So he didn't win a gold medal. Yeah, he did. Oh, okay. All right. But he was basically saying, ah, the decathlon gold, that's the one you really want because, you know. That's hilarious. That's that's when you're a real athlete because you had to do all those different sports. Oh, man. Yeah. He's an omni gold winner. Yeah. So his, uh, gold, his gold medal, by the way, everybody, is better than everyone else's gold medal. I didn't know that. So I, I feel even more special now that he handed me the corns. I think that that day – Secret powers were given to me through the transference of that corn. Well, corn is kind of powerful that way, but I'd be kind of careful that that's what you got from the corn. <laughs> yeah. I just mean, I, wonder how I, those, I, I didn't wonder, mean anything by that. wonder how those ducks and goats are doing. All right, anyways. I have funny marketing stories about goats, but I don't think I can bring them up on this particular podcast. Probably not. <laughs> Probably not. But I just figured out what was going on. So, all right, let's uh, get into our. Oh, do you ever know about Dr. J.R. Hmm? Brinkley? You ever heard about Dr. J.R. Brinkley? You're going to tell the story anyways. I, I don't think I can. Okay, I have to. This is a true story, man. No, you better not. No, it's a you true story. It's it, to me. It's 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 reminiscent of a, a time gone past. This guy, J.R. Brinkley. Um, Why am I already laughing, dude? He he basically, in the end, I mean, he was a scam artist. He he was a snake oil salesman. But what he got famous for and what he made millions and millions of dollars. This is back when, uh, to get a, a doctor's license, you would basically pay 50 bucks and you're a doctor. Right? There was no medical schools. There was nothing like that. It was like, hey, I want to be a doctor. Oh, look, Kansas will let me pay 50 bucks. Hey, I'm a, I'm a medical doctor now. And he did goat testicle transplants for men with ED. I don't know what ED is. Erectile dysfunction. Oh, no. Yeah. And This he, is why my wife says, I don't listen to your guys' podcasts. It's pretty much for men. No, but, but so, you know, there's a lot of lessons from that. Now we've got all this Cialis, Viagra. Apparently, this has been an issue for men for a long time and continues to be like, we'll spend money if we think this will help us. 
in one way or another. But he made literally millions of dollars. He he was he was one of the smartest marketers, but he used his powers for evil that the world has known. Wow. Yeah. He he bought Seems- radio stations. He basically pioneered the infomercial. Uh, one guy wrote him a 16-page testimonial. He turns it into a little booklet and gives it to everyone. He did it for senators. He did the transplants for uh, politicians. He did it for people of uh, of note in society because he would use that. He would pivot off that for more fame and get more clients. And he had people dying. He's putting goat testicles in people. I mean, oh he killed goodness. people. <laughs> so, That's crazy, dude. Yeah. Yeah, eventually he had to go to Mexico. This morning when I was getting out of the car, that you're kind of like the Tom Vu for church planners. Why am I the Tom Vu for church planners? Because you're helping them make a lot of money. <laughs> you want to live like me? You want to have girls like this? <laughs> you're getting real estate. Come to my free seminar. You can make a lot of money. So, you know, and that, that brings us into our topic. Which one <laughs> did you choose, Petey? <laughs> Uh, you might need to remind me of my options. Well, there was the one, how do you deal with success? And then there was also, uh, when and how and why to Sabbath. Okay. Let's do great Scott. It's time for this week's topic. Let's get down to the nitty gritty. Let's talk about success, Pat. I'll take door number one. Well, this has been our game of Topic Roulette. And uh, Pete, the bullet in the chamber for you is how to deal with success. Yes. So uh, let's deal with it. You know, I actually like the other topic. Can we do that one? No, I'm Pete. I just figured I'd say that whatever one you pick. Okay. Well, boys and girls, um, first off, Pete, let's (laughs) – this is not a commercial, but I I do think it would be good for you to um, just – Go back for a second and remind people what is happening in Bible Owner Circle. Hi, I'm Scott Blair, church planner. If you are anything like I used to be, you probably woke up feeling alone and somewhat isolated today, wondering to yourself, why isn't there just one place that I can go to discuss the things I really care about, like bear attacks, Sir Mix-a-Lot, Game of Thrones, <laughs> and even Christology? Well, I'm here to tell you such a place now exists. This is not make-believe. I would not joke about a thing like this. Pete Mitchell and Peyton Jones have created such a place. No, no, no. It's not heaven. They didn't create that. But it's the next best thing. The Bivo Ministry Inner Circle. Which you can find all about at BivoInnerCircle.com. We sponsored ourselves twice today. So, I think my favorite line from his thing is, no, 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 it's not heaven. They didn't create that. <laughs> well, it it is kind of cool. I mean, you know, I interviewed a guy yesterday, um, Anton Firo, second time I interviewed oh, yeah, him. Yeah. I did a how-to yesterday, how he did that CrossFit. And, um, man, it is fascinating to learn what guys are doing out on the field. And it's just something that I'm kind of passionate about. Um I would love to see the model change. And he was talking about all the sacrifice he had to make. And he was saying, look, I'm in such a different place now. He goes, the first six months were brutal. And he's employing like, you know, tons of people that were on his core team. Um, it's just been, it's been cool, but there was a lot of blood, sweat and tears. And he was talking about how he has to, um, now deal with everything. But I, I was asking him all these questions like, how do you, um, what's the balance look like now? And, um, you know, it, it, it was cool, man. It was really good, but, uh, it will never see the light of day. You will never see it. None of you will say it was for me. Um, did you record it? What's that? Did you record it? I did. I will send it to to you, my brother. But, um, but anyways, the, uh, so that's my digital offering this month, which is due tomorrow. And, um, anyways, so uh, for Bible and and you're still not going to get it to me until midway through next week, but you know, I'll wait until the 16th when you usually email me, Hey, do you have uh yesterday's offering? And then I'll say, yeah, yeah, I'll get it to you today. And then it'll probably take a day or two. Mm. No, I'm teasing. I'll get it to you today for reals, mm, sure. for reals, for the feels brother. You know, I did it yesterday. Sure. So, all right. So how to deal with success, Pete, 
Um, being as I've never been successful, um, I'm going to pitch this to you a lot. Uh, what's it like to be successful? I don't know what's wrong with me today. I'm just teasing. Um, but for real, like, you know, uh, one of our guys in Bible Inner Circle today, um, he came on and said, hey, this is a dynamic I never anticipated. And he was really wanting to guard his walk with the Lord. Because obviously we know there's that, that portion of scripture where he's like, hey, King Lemuel said, don't let me make so little. I'm tempted to steal, uh, but don't let me make so much that I forget you. And I think there is a very, there are just different struggles, right? Um, you, you, you go into, there's that kind of uh, catchphrase that says, um, higher, I can't remember what it is, like higher, you know, the one I'm talking about. No. Um, yeah, there's one that says it, it's quippy and it's something like, Hey, you know, the bigger, the, the opportunities, the bigger, um, temptation. I can't remember how it goes, but. That's what he's dealing with now is mm. he's never he's always been hand to mouth. And now he's he's learning how to work the stuff that you train these guys to do so that they can be financially independent. And he's going, wow, this is a new dynamic. I didn't is that a ministry boxer. I got to go listen to that one. Yeah, it was on the ministry boxer. Yeah. So those of you who don't know, we have like a 24 um, seven coaching thing that goes on in Bible Winter. So, you know, so. That's what I want to talk about today because I think when you're dealing with quote unquote success, <clears throat> you have different problems. So, for example, um, I went through a little crisis um, last week. It's not just one type of success. So for a David, it's it's financial, um, which is the antithesis of what he's always known. But for a church planner, there can come a time where your church kind of you know, it, it, there's a turning point where suddenly you don't feel like it can suddenly implode. And I'll tell you the day I felt that in my first church plant was the day I was ready to move on. And that, that was the point at which I realized, okay, uh, either I'm broken internally, I have attachment issues with churches, or I'm actually called to start churches. And, you know, so, the success, when you feel like it's not going to suddenly implode, you do kind of, you relax. You feel something internally switch in you where you're like, okay, you know, this, this is going well. And you know, it's on a, a trajectory of growth numerically. And it's a weird, it's a weird thing. And you can start going into autopilot where you're praying your guts out and you're evangelizing. You feel this tendency to sit back, if if I'm honest, you know, and kind of rest on your laurels a bit. Yeah, you know what's funny is in business, um, there's something called fear of success, and most people when they hear it, they go, "Ah, oh, that's baloney. That doesn't actually exist." But it does, and kind of how it manifests itself in business, and I could see the correlation between business and what you just said in the church. If you see yourself, and I'm just going to use this as a number. Don't like judge the number, guys. But let's say you see yourself as someone who makes a hundred thousand dollars a year. If and and you're in any kind of uh, commission type sales, if you make a hundred thousand dollars by July first, you know maybe you had a a big first six months, whatever. Odds are you will do very little to make any money the next six months. Because you've already hit what mentally you see yourself as. You see yourself as a $100,000-a-year person. You don't see yourself as a $200,000-a-year person. And you will, unbeknownst to yourself, you will self-sabotage yourself and nothing else will happen the rest of that year. I'll give you an example for myself. Um, back in 2010, uh, I did a really big deal that paid me about $130,000 on one day. And mm. then I had another thirty dollars or $40,000 come in over the next six months um, from those same deals, but just how that, that commission got paid out. The second I got paid, I knew I wasn't going to do any more work. <laughs> I was just like, right. not because I didn't need to, not because I hadn't just been struggling the last two years since the crash started, but because I knew in my head, I was like, dude, I don't need to worry about money now because when I go to my account, I got $100,000 in there. And I went all the way down until that account was empty before I started working again. 
And it was just mm. one of those self-sabotaging things. And I'm not saying you should do that. I'm not saying anything like that. I'm just saying that sort of thing happens all the time in business. And so I could see that in a church where if you're like, look, dude, I just got to get to the point where the church can pay me, you know, $4,000 a month. That's $48,000 a year. That's tons of money. That's more than I could ever need. And I don't know how many people that is. Maybe that's a hundred people at the church, whatever. Right. And you reach that point, you're like, man, okay. My bills are 3000 a month and I'm getting paid four. I'm good. I mean, whether you know it or not, you can start to self-sabotage yourself. And that's why one of the reasons we, we actually had a call about this um, with a bunch of the consultants last week. And, um, and someone asked, you know, how do you set your goals financially? And I just said, look, for me, I know I can't set financial goals because it's too easy to hit them. And then once I hit them, I stop doing anything. Mm. I go, I have to focus on the activity and just be like, all right, my goal is, you know, I'm going to reach out to this many businesses or I'm going to be putting on this many events and I want this many people in the room. And if I focus on that, yeah. not on the money that I'm going to get from that, then I'll see my income continue to climb. Or in the case of the church, if you're like, look, we want to reach this community and this is how many events we want to have. And this is how many people we want to come to our, our, our free breakfast or, or, or whatever it is, right? If you start focusing on that mm. and make that your focal point, then the fear of success thing won't affect you as much. It'll still be there. Right. But if you're focusing on the activity and that's where your prayer is geared towards and everything that your church does is geared towards that activity, it'll, yeah. it'll have a much, more powerful impact over the long haul because you won't reach that plateau like you're talking about. Right. And, and that's where it, exactly what you're saying there. Like that's so powerful, Pete, because what, what this is the crisis that I went through. Right. Um, I called my agent up. This is kind of, I don't know if I told you this, but I called him up and said, Hey, I am, uh, I, I it's been a good run. Um, thanks for everything you've done. And, um, I, uh, I, I don't want to do this anymore. And my agent goes, why? You got a book sitting with multiple publishers right now. Um, few of them want it. Like, what's going on? And I said, well, I said, I gotta be honest with you, man. This whole thing, this whole, uh, and I, I think I do face that fear of success personally, Pete. I do face that. I, I know that's a mental thing for me. Um, and, and I just told him, I said, you know, I, uh, I'm at the point now where I know my motives are to help people. I know that, like, I know my motives. I didn't get on this podcast to be famous. I didn't write oh, good zero. because that didn't happen. <laughs> it, well, exactly. I mean, and, and here's the thing is I've got other opportunities right now that are, that are calling and I've had to weigh this recently. Why would I want to do these things? And I'm weighing my motives of, of each one of them. And the other day, I was like, you know what? This isn't where I'm happy. And I don't, I'm not saying the podcast. I'm just saying at a certain point, when you enter the publishing world, your focus becomes selling books. Now, reaching the unreach has sold well. I mean, I'm, I'm not disappointed. The publisher's not disappointed. Um, didn't become number one. Nothing I ever write probably will because of the nature of what I write, which I'm cool because that's not what I want. But saying that, um, there is this pressure. If you guys paid attention to my social media this past year, I had to fog that book. I mean, I just had to, you know, I asked for reviews a couple of weeks ago because that's the game that you find yourself in. Um, and then, at a certain point, I just, I started, you know, a couple things. Number one, the 10 year anniversary of my near life experience was June 5th. I turned 45 on June 3rd. So I went into this place of like, ah, yeah, what am I doing? You know, it's not quite midlife crisis, but exactly that, that all I've ever wanted was to help other guys struggling in ministry to reach lost people and walk with Jesus. And and now there's this added component component of love my family. That's it. Like that's all that freaking matters. 
nothing else matters. And so I've kind of had this weird reset recently of I was ready to shut it all down. And you and I know the conversations we've been having mm-hmm. um, outside of, of what we share publicly with individuals. And part of me is just like, I'm just shutting everything down. Like I'll still do the podcast with Pete because it's fun and it's part of our friendship. But everything else, I was like, I'm done. I'm just going to disappear. Go back to the way I was before Church Zero. Not have any of these other pressures because they're not, they're not what I want. Does that make sense? I want to write, but I, I told my agent, I said, I'm, I'm just, I just want to self publish, man, so that I can just get my book out there. My tribe will, will get it. I could even give it away if I want. I don't mind having money for the book. That's fine. They pay me for time, whatever. I'll sell the book. No, no worries, but I don't want all this other crap. And then I don't want to have, you know, the, the phrase that I couldn't remember earlier was new levels, new devils, right? When your book sells or when you get asked on podcasts, you start thinking about how to sell more. And once you get there, you think, well, how do I do this again? Like, it's all stuff that I think this should not be my focus. So when you point out the whole, what's your metric? Like, what, what is success to you? It's not success to me anymore. And it, it never really was, but I could see how some of this stuff creeps in. And I think with church planting, it's the exact same. We're in a church plant when that, when that, when you fill the room, I don't care who you are. I mean, I, I think I'm as hardcore of a, of, of a missionary in my heart and mind as you can get. And yet it's there and it's subtle and you have to be aware of it. Yeah. I get it, man. I totally get it. I get it on so many levels because I, I think. I understand it from the business standpoint, but I can so see it on the ministry side, you know, and, um, and especially in the, uh, the, the Christian business world, if you will, right. Where, uh, the guys who publish books and then they go on the tour and then it's, you know, I am a name. Right. And yeah, I mean, and, and I think, I know most of the people who are listening to this, this isn't a battle that they've had yet. Maybe it will be one day. Maybe I, I think probably every pastor dreams of writing a book because that's like, <laughs> that's what they live in, man. Yeah. Pastors live in books. They love them. Yeah, dude. Um, so, I mean, it could be an issue that comes up for them later on, but I think, uh, and that's why, you know, last week when I brought up, I just been praying, you know, God, what is it? you want me to do. I had clients ticking me off. I don't know if I told you this, but I I did end up firing one of my clients and I was thinking about it last night and I was like, dude, that client paid me $60,000 last year. And can I have them? It was probably 4,000 a month this year. And I'm like, you're out of here. Yeah. You're gone. Get up. Right. I'm like, what am I doing? (laughs) Right. Right. But, um, but I, how, you know, I'm not, I was praying, God, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? And the answer I got from God, which was, you know, I talked about it on last week's podcast, was so different than what I expected. Like, that was the one where I was talking about, you know, God uh, kept putting before me that uh, verse, Matthew 6.33. Seek my... uh, Why do I do this? Every time I get on the podcast, I can't remember the verse. Seek first the kingdom of God. There you go. Seek first. Yeah. yeah. And, and so I was that's like, a, that's a heart of it, Pete, right there. That is success. But, and, and, and that's, so that's, and I started praying that, okay, God, what does it mean to seek your kingdom? Like I intellectually know what it means, yeah. but then it's like, okay, what does it mean in my life? Like, what does it mean to seek your kingdom in my life? I get seeking your righteousness in my life. That is an easy one for a Christian to understand, at least when you're a sinner like me and you can look at how much evil there is in your heart and in your life. And then you go, okay, I understand what it means to seek his righteousness, but how do I seek his kingdom? Right. And, and, uh, and like I said, you know, it, it was amazingly weird how God decided to like, show me, this is what it means to seek my kingdom. Right. But it had nothing to do with business. But that's what started it for me because I'm with the business guy, right? That's what I do is I, I do business. I go out there and, and you know, 
do a lot of stuff and, and make a little bit of money here and there. And that's what I was focusing on. God was like, that's not what's important. Mm. That's not, that's not what's important. Seek my yeah. kingdom, my righteousness. And I think, I think guys as church planners, um, when you're starting off as well, you think that you're, you're like, Oh, we're just here to reach lost people. But you got to be honest when it's not like you have to take that before the Lord and you have to talk to him about it. If, if I church plan again, um, there, there are a couple things that to me are success. Um, am I walking with God? That always has to, am I walking with God deeper and deeper every day? Like that has to be the metric. If Whatever's happening in my life, because I, I would, I would tell you for sure that the guys who quote unquote made it face what King Lemuel said, don't let me get so rich that I don't need you. The average mega church pastor in Southern California here makes about half a million, makes about 500,000 a year. No. I, dude. No way. I know things. There's no way. I know you think. I don't, that. I don't, I don't think you know what you think. I know you, you know. think. Listen. I, I don't I, think you know what you think. You know. I know, I know, I know things. I know the tax man. Uh, I'm just telling you, I don't think you know what you think you know. I know what I'm. I know what I know. And here's the thing: the about 20 years ago, the average um, mega church pastor around here made about 125,000 a year to 150. It's gone up quite a bit. Um, that was 20 years ago. It's in this area. You know, we're in Orange County. It's affluent. And, um, yeah, no, man, I, I tell you, I'm, I'm, I know this from the tax guy who does most of these pastors. And so when, what I'm saying is these guys are facing that, that whole thing, um, on a, on a deeper level, but wherever I'm at, if I'm not growing closer to Jesus, something is wrong. And I've got to deconstruct that and say, Lord, where am I at? Like what? What has taken the place of my first love for you? And and I think we got to ask that question. That we know, we know, we know from experience. No, just all kidding, all all nonsense aside. We pray better when we're desperate, right? We just do. We're more dependent on God. Those times as a church planner where you're struggling, those are sweet, sweet times. And there's that dynamic. I mean, just as much as we may not want to live there forever, there's that dynamic. Hmm. And so I think when Paul says, I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, I know how to be in plenty and I know how to be in want. The only thing, when Paul says, I know how to be in plenty, like I know how to live in abundance. I know how to do that now. That was a skill he had to learn. Just like he was like, I had to live, you know, because Paul came from an affluent family. There's no way you sit at the feet of Gamaliel if your family doesn't have money. And of course, his family was not from Jerusalem. They were from an affluent part of the world in Tarsus. And he had a family business. His his family most likely were merchants in the tent making uh, skill. And they fund, they bankrolled him to 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 do what he did as a Pharisee. And so Paul's like, look, I know how to do this, but there was a point at which Paul had to learn to be poor. And, um, you know, so, so he kind of went the down way up. And as we look at, you know, Paul saying that, you know, that the secret of that is because he talks in Philippians where he says that he's talking about intimacy all throughout the book, intimacy with Jesus. And that has to be it because uh, that's the only way you're going to have contentment. And that's the only way you're going to stay focused when, let's say, your church is big or people are sharing your stuff virally and your name is is becoming a big deal. I mean, how else do you ground yourself? I mean, I don't trust me. I I I, I don't trust any of the other guys either out there because I know people too well. It's kind of like if you've ever seen, uh, you know, Buddy Love on uh, – the nutty professor, you know, when he gets all hot and fit, he becomes a jerk. And I've been around leaders long enough to know that just something changes where suddenly you, you, you're a big deal and you, you believe your own press and you think you're a big deal and you act like a big deal. And uh, 
And I think that ought to, that ought to be something. I, I love that A. David today brought this up in, in the Voxer group and said, Hey, this is a new dynamic I didn't expect. And I'm feeling this. And he was honest with it and just said, Hey, I, he wasn't saying like, Hey, I think I shouldn't be successful. He's just saying, this is a new, like, like we said, new level, new devil, you know? Yeah. So I think it's something that we have to. So the other metric is, um, what's my passion? What is my passion? I believe that ministers at a certain point lose their passion. Did you lose your passion for ministry? Uh, you know it. I know it. You can tell when it becomes a job and it's no longer, it's, it's a free ride. It's not any longer something that they do because they love. And that's something we have to really look at. Um, there are church planners that go into it for money from the beginning. I want a full-time job as a minister. I don't like doing what I do for a living. That is a recipe for disaster, right? you got to go into it saying, I may never make a penny off of this, and I'm cool with that, right? That's why we provide Bible Inner Circle, because what's worse, guys? Going into ministry for a paycheck? Because we'll get pastors blowing back going, hey, you're doing You're in ministry for a paycheck, buddy. I hate to tell you, but you want to get paid for what you do there, and that's your dream. Wouldn't it be better, like Paul, to be able to say, I worked with my own hands, so I wasn't a burden to the church? Like, But it's so normal for guys to go in looking at ministry as a paycheck. Those are the guys we get heat from. It's weird, man. And here we're saying, hey, we're trying to train you to do what Paul did. And we're getting blowback from guys saying we're, we're teaching people to be greedy for money. Yeah, no, we're teaching you not to look at the church as your free ride. So, and not as a job, but a calling, a high calling, a passion. Because if you can do it, knowing no one's ever going to pay you for it, that's like a litmus test. Whether or not you're really called to this, right? I mean, that that's it. We used to tell guys, hey, if a church comes and offers you a full-time uh, uh, free ride, you know, successful pastorate, and you're going to take it, we tell them at the beginning of our conference, you should just leave now. This conference isn't for you. And uh, when I first got back to the States, the church was like, hey, uh, it's a place I didn't want to move. It was about an hour away. Um, that, that was one factor, surely. But it was 6,000 people. And they're like, hey, will you come over? And uh, be our pastor. And I said, no. And I, I tell you, there were times I, I looked at that and thought, huh, planting in Long Beach, scraping by, teaching church planting courses online to pay the bills. And um, and I, I, I questioned that decision at times. But it was my passion to go into Long Beach was the best thing I've ever done. You know, I mean, well. I'll say my entire missionary career is the best thing I've ever done, which, and that, that's the thing is I'll leave these churches when they're doing well. That's how I know it's time to leave them. Money in the bank, which by the way, Refuge doesn't have money in the bank right now. So refugelongbeach.com, if you feel so inclined to give. <laughs> we're, we're in the park this summer and I, uh, we always take a hit then. I, I figured, uh, oh, they're in the park. Mmm, money. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dude. It's just so good. Oh, it's so good. I can't I can't even tell you how good it is though to be there. Everybody, it just it just rejuvenates that missional zeal in everybody. It's awesome. Yeah. So that's cool. But anyways, these are the metrics of success. And then the last one is my family. Like, am I help is my family time rich? Is it dynamic? Is it rewarding? Um, am I giving to my family or am I taking from my family? Um, that's success because at the end of the day, guys, you're going to miss these golden years with your kids and they're going to move on and they're going to remember, yeah, mom, dad, their, their, their first love was this ministry, this idol that they created. Um, and you know, that's cool. You know, uh, mom, dad, you know, the church people, they were obviously very important to you. And, uh, when we needed help with our homework, you weren't there. When we had something going on at school, you weren't there. Um, we played a game. You weren't there because you had, you always had a church crisis you had to run to. Um, or, you know, whatever it is. So I think when we're talking about all this stuff, your metrics for success, cause look, that's who you're going to have Christmases and holidays with. And that's your legacy. Like your true legacy is not your church. It only takes a pastor like a couple months to be out and he's forgotten. They moved on. It's all about the new pastor. 
ain't going to be about you anymore. And your family, you know, like I always tell people, your church can always get another pastor. That's easy. And you'll be long forgotten. But your kids only have one dad. They can only have one mom. Know what I'm saying? I feel you, dog. I feel you. Well, um, how to deal with success. I don't know if we really uh, dealt with that question, really. But there are a couple things you can do just in Focus in on the activity. That's how you deal with it, man. Focus What's on that? the activity. Yeah. Don't focus, focus on the success. Focus, focus on, okay, how are we reaching the loss this week? What are we doing right. this week? What do we got on the calendar this month, this summer, this quarter, this year, this whatever? Focus on the activities. How are we reaching out? How are we making a difference mm. in the lives in our community? If you focus on the activity, not on the growth of the church, not on the income of the church, not anything else, but you keep your focus on the activity, that's how you that's how you deal with fear of success and, and the success problems. So true, man. And and I think it goes back to like when David was like, you know, it, it says when he had expanded the kingdom and the borders of Israel, he rests on his laurels as well. And that's where he gets into trouble with Bathsheba because he's bored. Yeah. You know, and it says in the time where the kings normally went out to war, David stays home. That's a very telling line where David, he should be out there going to war, expanding the borders of the kingdom of Israel. And I think it's the same with us. We sit on our laurels. We rest. It becomes a job. Um, we just kind of, I'm just going to enjoy this and the success of it all. And we stop, like you said, focusing on the activity. We're meant to expand the borders of the kingdom. Yeah. And we stop Here, doing here's that. A good, here's a good comparison to that. Are you the pastor that used to go with everyone on the mission trip to Mexico? Or now you've gotten big enough where you can send an associate pastor and you get to stay home? Yeah. That's resting on the laurels. And I'm not even saying that staying home is a bad thing, right? Because there's a time that you got to be with your family like you just talked about. Yeah. But when you sometimes reach that point where, hey, you know what? Look at this. we got enough staff. I don't have to do everything to I don't have to do anything, right? That, then you start in the, you're starting to get into the, the area oh, where things can become a problem. Not that that is a wait, problem, but wait, things Pete, can become a problem. I still go on all the cruises with my church <laughs> and the trips to Israel. <laughs> Of course. No! I actually would like to go on one of those Israel trips. Me too. I hear they have real firearms in Israel. I've never (laughs) been to Israel, so I would like to see it. I laid eyes on uh, Asia Minor and Turkey. I've never been to Canada. What's up? (laughs) You've been to TJ, though, right? Yes, but that was in college, and let's not talk about that. (laughs) So... You know, at, at the end of the day, one thing you guys can also do, and this is in closing something that I would heavily recommend each one of you do, and that is lay out your values. You know, kind of look at it. Who do I want to be? You know, like what are my values? Like for me, my values would be things like multiplication, um, you know, uh, uh, releasing everyday believers in their gifts. Like if I lead a church, I can't not do that. I could. I could stop doing that. I could, you know, rest. But these are my values. You got to, you got to put the values. Like, what do you believe ministry really is? And you know, like, one of the things for me is to always do things that scare me. So when I plant again, you got to understand. I grew up in Huntington Beach. I'm gonna plant in Oceanside. That scares me. The reason why is when everyone else was into surfing, I was into punk. Like. It, I was more into the counter. I wasn't into the, hey, Shaka Bra, you know, what up? Uh, I wasn't into that. I, it, the beach scene is not my deal. So when I'm planting in an oceanside town, um, it's, it's, it's as foreign to me as Wales was going there. And that scares me because Long Beach, believe it or not, was a little, again, that was out of my, my league, but felt a little bit closer to the type of ministry that I had been doing. And so one of my values is to always be scared. I always, like Paul, have something that's like, hey, and pray for me, brethren. To always be in a position where I have to ask people to pray for me because I'm out of my depth. So these would be like my personal ministry values. And then what, what I would advise each of you to do is to get a group of people around you who know you well. And aren't afraid to tell you the truth. And maybe once a year 
or even six months. It's up to you. I think more than that's a little weird, um, quite, quite narcissistic. But six months to a year, get those friends together, go for a meal, and ask them one by one, these are my values. Am I still embodying these? Am I still on mission? Do you see in my ministry reflected that I am resting on my laurels or am I still go-getting it? Um, in other words, am I still going after lost people? Am I leaving the 99 to go after the one like Jesus? Like, guys, these are my values. Am I changing or do you see me growing in these? Because I want to grow. Um, are you seeing anything in me new that's developing that's good that ought to become a value I hold to or something that I don't? And those people will tell you what they see. They will tell you whether, you know, you're, you're, you're growing or not. And that's just one way to have people outside of you, um, kind of do that. And, and guys, one thing that I would say, just a word of caution, I, I gotta be careful how I say this. I, I've been seeing like a lot of people doing the Facebook live thing and Facebook live is rad. By the way, I, I accidentally Facebook live, um, me helping my mother-in-law with her um, new flooring, uh, which I guess got 15 comments and 200 views. You accidentally? Accidentally. I have no idea how this happened. It was like the ghost in the machine. I was glad I wasn't peeing or arguing with someone or singing an embarrassing song, you know, in the bathroom, you know, whatever it was. I was just glad that it was something that I don't have to be embarrassed. It was just, I was actually doing something good. You know, I was helping my mother-in-law. It was cool. You know, but it was... It was still embarrassing. But again, what I'm seeing right now is I've seen some, some people that, that I know where they're, they're, it's almost like a performance. It's, it's, it's like people want to be a star right now and they want to be the guru and their voice changes and they, you know, they've got special haircuts or, you know, whatever it is. And I'm going, no, please don't do that. You know, again, this, this, Wanting to be successful, we have to watch out for that, guys. It, 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 yeah, just, just social media has introduced a very narcissistic vein on culture. And I just think in ministry, we have to be careful. And, and if your motive is to help people, great. But you got to weigh that. If your motive is to be the next big wambooey, you got a problem and it needs to be dealt with. Speaking of social media, Ruben Young, Ruben Young just posted, what comes to mind when you hear the words regeneration? And Charlie Marquez writes, lizard tails. <laughs> <laughs> uh, new breeders. I love it. Well, guys, um, this has been Pete Mitchell and Peyton Jones. This has been Church Planner Loveline. Thanks wait, for listening wait, wait, today. Wait, wait. Now, to help me stay focused on ministry... Is there a service I can employ that would take care of, let's say, some of the the back end stuff like payroll, taxes, tithing reports, IRS compliance, etc.? Yes, it's Simplify Church, Pete. Simplifychurch.com takes what? care of all your back end stuff. Think of them as like the toilet paper for all of your back end issues. <laughs> oh my gosh. Is that bad? Is that why we can't keep a sponsor? <laughs> Oh, my gosh. More than meets the eye. (laughs) (laughs) Simplifychurch.com. They will handle all of your IRS compliance, all of your admin needs, even provide you with a PA, a VA. Let's just take that baby virtual. And uh, anyways, if you want to check them out, simplifychurch.com. Tell them Pete and Peyton sent you, but don't tell them about this commercial. Sorry. Well, guys, hey, this has been us, and we've been reminding you, if you want to reach the ones that no one's reaching, go where nobody's going and do what nobody's doing. I'm a Methodist. We believe that the Lord is our Savior, and we remember Him by going to church and praising Him every Sunday. I'm a Seventh-day Adventist. We believe all the same things that you believe, but we go to church on Saturdays. What? Thanks for joining us for another weekly episode of the Church Planner Podcast with Pete Mitchell and Peyton Jones. We'd love to hear your comments on this episode of the Church Planner Podcast. 
visit us online and let us know what you thought at churchplannerpodcast.com. If you subscribe to us via iTunes and have enjoyed the podcast, leave us a positive review. The more positive reviews we receive in iTunes, the more iTunes will promote us to other church planners who would benefit from this show. This podcast is brought to you by the Church Planner Magazine, which is available in the iTunes newsstand or online via churchplannermagazine.com. Music